my family is very supportive. So it was just always, the help was always there. It's just a matter of you saying you need help. And I'm like the raising hand emoji, like sis needs help. I need help. Me, please help me if I need it. You know what I mean? Just like I'm there to help others. So it's like, in order for me to do the work that I do, I have to be okay with receiving help. Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guests and I share our vulnerable behind-the-scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of our expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counselor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Thank you as always for joining me and my guests on this podcast. I really do appreciate you guys being here. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the shares on social media. So I have a guest on the podcast today and I want you guys to make sure you get your pen and your paper ready or if you're in the car and you're driving that perhaps you just, you know, remember to save this and and go back to it because there's going to be a lot of gems, wisdom and things for you to take away from the show. My guest today is Gorgeous West. She is an associate professional counselor in Atlanta, Georgia. She currently works with adults in private practice, helping them create healthy boundaries, practice self-care and be the best versions of themselves. Her favorite quote is, plan your work and work your plan. Her favorite destination is a sandy beach on the ocean because she loves how calming and powerful the ocean is. Fun fact, she's a life of the party if the playlist is good. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Welcome, gorgeous, to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good today. Thank you for having me, Bianca. This is an amazing opportunity. Well, you have an amazing story, as always. (laughs) I know that I say that about everything, but everyone's stories are amazing to me. I first just want to ask the question I ask to everybody on the podcast. What does authenticity mean for you? I think authenticity for me, like my own personal um, definition of it, which is really being who you are without any limits. So, you know, a lot of times we set limits to ourselves or we allow others to set limits upon us and we feel as though we have to stay within that box. So for me, it's like living life and seeing life without limits is authenticity. Wow, that's powerful. No limit? Mm -hmm. Is that ever scary? It can be, definitely. It can definitely be scary because it's like, you know, we're a lot of times we look for limits because it makes it safe, right? And so by there being no limits, it's like, okay, well, what is safe if I can keep going and I can keep excelling? What does that look like? How far can I go? So it challenges you to like really push yourself to see like you can keep going as far as you want to, what rather than getting complacent or stagnant. Mm, I love that. Have you always been authentic? Um, I would say yes and no. You know, and growing up, it was some, of course, there was limits, you know, implemented by my parents that I had to follow and live within. But they also, too, allowed me to be myself and whatever that looked like. I guess it was more so for them, the limits were based around safety 
<laughs> rather than, you know, <laughs> allowing me to not do things. It was more so I felt like it was more safety than anything. But things that I wanted to do and try, they always allowed me to do those things. So I think that that definitely has a lot to do with my definition of authenticity, kind of like my my upbringing. Wow. That's really cool because m- not most, but a lot of people I speak to, they don't always have that um they don't always give them that space to explore who they are. Wow. What was that like having that? Or you just didn't know any different, I guess, maybe? Yeah, I didn't know any different. So like hearing from other people's experiences now as an adult growing up and sometimes even as like a teenager and adolescent kind of seeing the limits that my friends had, I was just like, you know, I don't have that. Like, is something wrong with my parents? You know, like, why don't... <laughs> why don't I have this limit or this restriction but you know now I see as an adult I really appreciate not having very rigid limits on that nature because it did allow me to explore and really learn and grow to be the woman that I am today Mm. and I guess you probably I think that's a great characteristic you have because you I would think that with your clients you give them that opportunity to explore a lot and also um, with your son too. Absolutely. So yes, with my clients, I always let them know, like, I'm here for you, like wherever you want to go, we're going to go. You know what I mean? And even as, you know, being a parent, I don't try to say, again, I I have the safety limits. Like I'm not going to let my child harm himself, but you know, I'm willing to see how far and let him explore just to see, you know, learn for himself rather than, you know, make him fit into this box or this model of what I think a five or six-year-old little boy should be doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So um, I wanted to, I know you are on here for a specific reason because you have an amazing story. Um Gorgeous and I were sitting down one day and I was like, well, what's your story? She's like, well, if I have a story to tell, it's about learning to you're going to either sink or swim. And I was like, really? She was like, yes. Mm -hmm. And so um, tell us what that has looked like for you. Is it the last year? Is it the last year or so? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Well, actually, it's been 14 months 14 months okay tell us what propelled you into that position to have to make that choice to sink or swim yeah so um I'll just can I start from the beginning yeah wherever you want to start from (laughs) all right so we're gonna take it back to 2018 so I in October I graduated with my master's in counseling and um, prior to that I was planning on relocating back to Atlanta to work and so I was had everything lined up in regards to employment I had my job I had my supervisor and everything was planned in the line um one thing my dad would always tell me would be to plan your work and work your plan so I had planned my work and I worked my plan and Following graduation in October, I was expected to move to Atlanta and start my new job November 5th. So I made it here. I started working. Um, I had my apartment. Everything was just like working out how I planned. And in December, um, my dad unexpectedly passed away. And so experiencing that significant loss was like, 
mortifying. Like it was a nightmare that I had no intention on planning for. And um, during that time, at that time, it was just kind of like, I didn't know exactly what to do because it was here I am. I just moved to a new state. You know, my, uh, my mom is in St. Louis. My dad was an hour away, but he's deceased. So it was like my parental like support system was off balance. And at that time I was hit with a lot of questions from family members and friends. And they were like, well, everyone was trying to make decisions for me. Right. So they were setting the limit for me, which is something that I'm not used to. And so they were like, well, we think you should go home. It'd be best if you go back home because no one's there, you know, all of this. And this wasn't coming from, you know, my mother, but it's just outside family and friends. They were just, you know, wanting to look out for me. And with that, it was kind of like for me, you know, I had heart to heart conversations with my mom and I'm just like, that's not what I want to do. And I was faced with either I'm a sink or I'm a swim and sink meaning I'm going to just, you know, pack up and go back home. And of course it would be safe there. Right. But it was not something that I wanted to do. And then I said, so that's one option or I can swim. And so granted dealing with grief as well as still having to work full time and be a parent. If you can imagine swimming in the ocean with the currents like pushing, you know what I mean? So that's what it was like swimming. I was swimming through a lot of those struggles and those challenges with grieving my, the, uh, the loss of my dad, you know, um, being a parent, working, trying to be there for clients and then working a nine to five. So it was just kind of like my bereavement time wasn't long because I just started employment there. So I decided, I said, well, I'm not going to give up. Um, I'm a swim. So I'm going to push through. I know eventually the water, the waves, it will settle, you know, whatever that looks like. And I'm not going to, if I'm going to set a limit, I'll be the one to set the limit for myself, but I'm not going to follow off of anyone else's limits that they have or what they think is best for me. So that's kind of how I navigated that situation. I, you know, chose to bet on myself and I got out there and I was doing backstrokes and breaststrokes. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got my Michael Phelps on, you know, like I pushed through and I think that one of the major things for that was my support system. So granted, like I said, my parents have always been supportive of me and allowing me do, to do anything and everything that I wanted to do. And so once I made that decision that I'm going to stay, you know, my mom was right there with me the whole time. Like, okay, she's staying. Don't nobody else say nothing to her about it. Her decision has been made. And so basically she was swimming right alongside with me. Like she was right there with me, you know, through each stroke. She was there like, okay, you got this. And making sure, you know, the times that were hard for me or when I did experience having emotional moments or I did experience, you know, this is tough. She was there to, you know, cheer me on and to push me through and to remind me that I could get through it. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, Man, I almost had these, well, I had tears welling up. This is the authentic Wednesday podcast. I had tears welling up when you were describing um, the swimming, it was waves coming at me. It was, you know, whatever it was, it kept, it kind it came at you, but your focus was on, 
I know this won't last forever. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep swimming because I know, um, I know that the storm is going to, the waters are going to calm down. For a lot of people, they get stuck in the wave, mm-hmm. in, in the, you know, the rocky wave and the rocky water. What allows you to kind of see beyond that? Definitely faith. Um, faith practices, knowing that I can get through it. And then too, knowing that, you know, with the loss of my dad, I had one of the best angels I could have ever had. Mm. So with that, I knew that. um, Take your time. I knew that I could do it. Mm. And I knew that um, for me, it was like, my son is watching, right? So I never wanted him to see or to think that things can kind of stop him or deter him or get in his way if it's something that he's very passionate about. If it's something that he worked his butt off for, you do it. And so I wanted to kind of be able to show him that. And whenever he do experience something similar like this in his life, I can say mom has experienced that. I've done that too. And this was my experience. Mm. Wow. Ooh. I'm sure you guys can just feel the emotion coming from Gorgeous, just how much her dad means to her, as well as his protection and knowing that he's there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it was a huge thing to get you through. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I mentioned that because I don't know if you took this this route and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I doubt it. But you correct me if I'm wrong. There's often this tendency, you know, the black superwoman that we got to do it all, got to have it all together and keep going, keep going. Um, And often we can forget to stop or forget to um, Mm -hmm. take, take care of ourselves in the midst of all that's going on but it sounded like you didn't do that it sounded like you still took care of yourself in the midst of it all is that correct in in the terms of you grieving and um having to cope with a new lifestyle absolutely um I was active again with, with therapy um definitely maintained doing therapy weekly during that time and during that stage as well as self-care. So, you know, the job in which I was working once I first moved to Atlanta, I had to, you know, choose myself in a sense because I was experiencing like panic symptoms and attacks because I kind of found out about everything with my dad leaving work. So it was kind of like a constant replay, you know what I mean? And so I chose to say, okay, this is not for me. I'm not going to be able to give what I know I can give in this space and in this setting based off of the change, the huge change in my life circumstance. Mm -hmm. So I made the executive decision to kind of say, you know, this is not for me. I appreciate the opportunity and kind of take time for myself to kind of regroup and re set myself in a space to identify how do I want to proceed moving forward career-wise. And that's when I kind of said, okay, well, let me try private private practice. And I did that. (laughs) And it's worked really well for you, hasn't it? It has. It was (laughs) one of the best 
decisions I think I could have made. But, you know, it's funny because private practice was always the end goal for me. So so it was always kind of like, once I finished supervision, I'm doing private practice. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in grad school, they kind of made it as if private practice wasn't something you can do coming out of grad school. So it was kind of more so of like, you need to go work for an agency or, you know, work for a hospital or do something like that. And then once you're done with supervision or you're fully licensed, then you can do private practice. So it was kind of like something I put at the end of my supervision, but I was planning and preparing for, but I just didn't see it as something that I could do right out the gate. Yeah, I feel you on that side note. Like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I was a determined woman and I did I did private practice coming out of grad school as an mm-hmm. associate. But definitely the the thing is you have to have a license to be in private practice. And I'm like, no, that's not true. I mean, you can't be in your own practice, but right. you can you can do private practice work under direction and supervision. So um what other things did you do to take care of yourself? I know you said you were in therapy. Um, I'm hearing you say and I love that you said this and I want everyone else to pay attention. She talked about making the decisions that were right for her. That is a form of self-care that I feel like we don't always talk about Mm -hmm. is, you know, often it's a pedicures and relaxation and things like that. But our decision-making is a form of self-care if we're thinking about our well-being. So mm-hmm. I love that you you shared that. Were there any other practices or self-care that you did to help yourself and to support um, yourself? I would say I I really took that time to like reflect in. Um I remember just really allowing myself to just sit in the moment because I transition and had so many changes happen back to back that it was like I was unable to really sit and take it all in like literally graduating from grad school and then moving literally I moved on the Sunday I started work on the Monday like it happened that fast for me then following a month later losing my dad having to go through the holidays not really even experiencing holidays because I wasn't in the best mood so I just really took that time to just really sit and reflect within me and identify and connect on how I felt, what I felt, and be okay with it. Um, because I consider myself to be a, a busybody. So a lot of times emotions and feelings can kind of go missed because I'm so <laughs> on to the next, which a lot of women and a lot of a lot of people are. But it's very important based off of the huge transitions and change that I experienced that I needed to sit my butt down and really take it all in and see it for what it was so I can better accept it, accept this new reality, this new norm, um, huge new norm of not having, you know, a parent, someone I was extremely close with, someone I talked and called 10 times a day. So my days were not the same. So I had to deal with that adjustment. So it was more so I think that was the best thing I could have done was just really sit with self and take that time. What was that like sitting with self? You know, (laughs) it was was some days in which it was a high. I had highs and I had lows. But through that whole process, you know, I had my mom, I had my sister and my brother. Like I had family, my immediate close family there to, you know, support. I also had my friends. My friends were amazing. 
Um, even colleagues that I know, my supervisor, like people checked in. I appreciated that. But it was just more so of having to kind of deal with it, right? A lot of times we don't want to. So having to really deal is hard. And I really, it really made me understand the work that I do as a therapist Mm. because I was able to kind of see where my clients don't want to deal with the stuff and sit with the stuff. And here I am, I was having to sit and deal. So it really was kind of like a full circle for me in that moment because I'm like, I get it. Like, I get it. I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think grief is also one of the hardest things. I don't feel like we are taught how to really deal with grief. And I, and I think it's even hard. Um, I always share that, you know, there's these different stages and different things, which I don't always agree with because it's like these stages, but I just feel like it looks different for everybody. Um, I definitely do, didn't deal with grieving for like, you know, 10, 15 years later. And I think that's the norm for a lot of people. Um, so the fact that you actually sat with that grief is like, is really amazing and really courageous. What was some of the most uncomfortable feelings? I remember having sessions with my therapist and I was telling her, I don't think I'm grieving right. And, you know, she kind of shared, she was like, well, what does that mean? Like she really wanted me to unpack that. And basically we explored it and identified that I was really basing my grief off of the expectation of what grief should look like versus what it looked like for me and it being my experience and not comparing it to other experiences, other people's experiences or comparing it to previous losses I've experienced with, you know, grandparents and uncles and aunts, you know, it it really hit different when it's your parent versus, you know, extended family. Granny, you can love them all day, but it really hits different when it's your biological parent. So I think that was probably one of my biggest challenges was just really telling myself that my experience is my experience. Um, a lot of people, I think another thing I was that shaped me was kind of thinking how other people saw, you know, my grieving process. Because for me, I still have to keep going, right? I still have to work. And so on one side, it's like, yeah, you see me starting this, well, not starting, joining this private practice. And you see me doing all these great things, but I'm still grieving, right? So I I always worried about the fact of, are people thinking that I'm not, you know, thinking about my dad or are they judging me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of dealt with that, but had to process that. And again, by accepting that, how I took the loss of my dad and how I'm grieving again is my process and it's not for other people to understand or for me to have to make them understand in a sense. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, yeah, because people could look at you and feel like, oh, she, she must be grieving or she must be doing okay. Um, I could totally feel that. Yeah. Did you experience any mom guilt in this process of you grieving and having to step away and perhaps take care of yourself or let him be with your mom or let him be with your family members um, or perhaps maybe I shouldn't let my son see me cry and, and, and things like that. Did you experience any of that mom guilt or any of that questioning? No, um, I think my son, like we are so in tune. He was so connected. So if I cried, he, he knew exactly why I was crying. Um, he would tell me that everything's okay. 
and that his papa is in a better place or that he's in our hearts. So he was so supportive. And again, um, like I, one thing that I've learned is rely on your support. So I didn't have any guilt when it was just like, you know, on certain days, mom, I can't do it. Like I'm feeling sad today. I can't read a book tonight. Can you help me? Like I've helped me, look, help me, help me. That's kind of where it was in that sense. And I was okay with that. Um, because I don't think that it was, it was not my responsibility to do it all. How did you come to that conclusion that it's not your responsibility to do it all? I think I took that in early on. So prior to experiencing um, this significant loss, that was kind of just always my mindset in regards to family. Um, My family is very supportive. So it was just always, the help was always there. It's just a matter of you saying you need help. And I'm like the raising hand emoji, like sis needs help. I need help. Me, please help me if I need it. You know what I mean? Just like I'm there to help others. So it's like in order for me to do the work that I do, I have to be okay with receiving help. Mm. And in your okay, being okay. I think that's such a, I mean, I tell people like my life got together when I asked for help. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I got my life together. The freedom I experienced from asking for help is so powerful. And it's funny, I feel like sometimes it makes my life look easy. Like people feel like my life is easy. And I always explain to them, yeah, because I have help. (laughs) I don't do this alone, which it sounds like kind of happened with you. Like people may have thought it was easy Mm -hmm. that you were using your support system. Is that right? Absolutely. Mm. Tell me a bit more about your support system. Are they always available for you or how does that work? (laughs) So, yeah, there's times when they're not available. And, you know, with that, I just make the necessary adjustments to, you know, get whatever I need handled or taken care of done. I think that everyone has a life and they have responsibilities and I respect that. So if it's like something when which they feel like I always, you know, want to make sure you're not overextending or it's not an inconvenience for you, right? Because I don't want you to take away from doing something that's important to you to, you know, help me. If it's like, unless it's like an emergency or something like that. But I always, you know, check in to make sure they're in space to kind of help and support because sometimes your support system might not be in that space and you have to kind of be okay with that, right? It doesn't mean that they are unsupportive or they're not there for you. It's just that right now at this particular time or moment, they're not, they can't. So, I mean, um, for my mom, for instance, you know, she was grieving as well, right? So. At that time, it was like I kind of had to respect and understand her position and her experience and her grief because she had her moments as well, too. Right. So I think that me just, you know, outside of her having friends and my sister and just other people around me making my network of support work for me was the key. Was the key. Yeah. And what's it like now? Are are there... I don't want to say is the water smooth because you feel like it's smooth and you're like, mm, okay. But <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Are the waves calm down? Should I say that? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I experienced some challenging, you know, waves here and there. But I think right now um, my, my stroke and my swim tread is consistent. And I've built the strength and through resiliency, right? So it's like I'm able to kind of 
bounce back a little bit in regards to if a wave come or a current time, like that's just too strong. I've been, I think experiencing this loss was the biggest block I could experience at, at this point in time of my life. So it's like anything else that's coming is light work. Like you can't hurt me because I've experienced a huge significant loss that could have, I will, a year from uh, two years ago, I would have thought there's no way I could live or breathe, you know, if I experienced this, but I, I'm doing it, right? So I think through that, I'm able to, you know, still make it through. Yeah. Do you ever look back then? Because you're saying that two years ago, you know, the thought of losing your dad would have been too much. So mm-hmm. do, you, do you look back and kind of reflect on, wow, how did I do this? How do I get through? Do you all the time. Like <laughs> I still like I I look at where I am today and I just say like, you know, how? Mm-hmm. How? Like I, you know, I, I, I just really think that through him, like my dad would always tell me, you know, if anything ever happened to me, you better keep like keep it moving. You better keep moving on. You know, I'ma be okay. I, I'll be able to see everything you do. So he would have those, you know, conversations, which things are parents say, and you'll always be like, you know, dad or mom, you're not going nowhere. Like, I'm not listening. <laughs> you know, I hear you. But I think in knowing that, in knowing that what I'm doing and where I am right now, he's so proud. Like that alone right there is my motivation. Mm. And so all you think about is my dad's, said keep going who is the closest person one of the closest people to you so I'm gonna keep going wow it's so powerful how the things our parents say to us just stay with us and impact empower us absolutely Um, has that changed the way you parent with the loss of your dad in any way um yes I would say more so that I you know, I always tell my son that I love him, which my dad always did. I mean, I've always done that anyway, but it's just like extra. I also, I'm very mindful in regards of wanting to make more memories and experiences with him um, because it just goes to show like tomorrow's not promised, anything can change. And so it's like having those memories, having those experiences. If I'm able to come up to his school once a week to have lunch, I'm up there once a week to have lunch. I'm up there for the field trips. I'm up there like you would think I'm his I'm a part of the staff. I'm up there like (laughs) just being there and being present because I know that that's what my parents did for me. Mm -hmm. And two, for my dad, like he would have been the same. He would have been right there, too. You know what I mean? So is really making sure I'm there, I'm present. Wow. And um, memories and experience, I mean, they can't be bought, right? Right. Right, yeah. What about with yourself? Do you feel like you have changed in the way that you connect with yourself or anything like that? I think so. Um, I think I'm more patient with myself, right? Because, again, I kind of share how much I'm a busybody and I'm always doing, doing, and going. But when I'm unable to do, I tell myself, you know, that's okay. You know, do it tomorrow, do it next week, instead of kind of more like being upset about things that I'm not able to do or get done in that particular day or within a particular time frame. Um, I kind of just give myself grace and be compassionate, more compassionate with myself a little bit. Mm. Is that easy? (laughs) At times, in the moment. 
it's a little challenging because <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like I hit myself with, oh, you should have did, you know, you could have did, or if you would have did this different, or if you would have. But then I kind of just stop those thoughts and just get back on track and in tune with it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like find- I'm not here to beat myself up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to go easy on yourself, mm-hmm. which I. I'm working on. It's not always easy, but it's getting right. easier. It's getting more easier because there's no benefit in kind of beating yourself up, I find. So, um, wow, I just love your whole story. Um, is there anything you want to share with those listening um, who you feel like may be going through the same situation or a similar situation that you think is important for them to know? I would say... I got a couple things. Mm-hmm. So just going back to how we talked about in the beginning, right? Only you can set a limit for yourself. Other people will try to set limits for you based off of their fear, based off of their inexperience or lack of knowledge. And the only one that can set limits for you is you. So to be mindful of that and to know you can really push through or get past or get through anything you want or put your mind to. Another thing I think, which again is a quote my dad would always tell me, is to plan your work and work your plan. So plan whatever it is you want to do, plan it out. Write it down. If it's goals you want to hit, you know, put those on paper, make them real so you can see it and remind yourself of it and work towards those things. Because when you plan your work and work your plan, success is always at the end. I love that. Wow. You got any more? That's good, but you got any more? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm only teasing. I think in regards to... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm teasing, but if you got more, I want to hear it. I mean... Oh. <laughs> I would say to, to kind of always like count yourself in, never count yourself out. So in counting yourself in, that's pretty much all best in, like bet on yourself. Like, you know what you're capable of. You know what you're going to do. You can't bet on anybody else. And, you know, regardless of someone saying that they're going to be there or they got you, like, you know, for sure, if you're going to be able to pull up for you. So really always count yourself in, never count yourself out for nobody else. And that's in any circumstance, any dynamic, any anything like Okay. I love that. Man, she is so full of wisdom. You're so full of wisdom. <laughs> I didn't know she had all this wisdom. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you, every time I come on this podcast and I talk to people, I'll be like, I didn't know that about you. But um, <laughs> I mean, I know you're amazing people, but I just discover more and more and I love it. So do you have and if you don't, this is totally fine. Any books or resources, um, whether they're videos, podcasts, YouTube, or anything like that, that you think may help someone who's experienced in a similar situation or that even helps you? Yeah. So definitely podcast yours, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And definitely Therapy for Black Girls with Dr. Joy is amazing. What else? Books. And I mean, of course, you like books I like are, of course, like The Four Agreement, um, The You're a Badass. Oh, I like, heard that one. I heard that one. Yeah. Too, I haven't read it yet. Yes, that one's good. And so, I mean, you know, as therapists, we read so many books. It's too many. Look, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> books, you got books on books on books, but those two for sure. Um, YouTube, don't have much on that note. And 
Oh, I will say in regards to like social media, like posts that I like, uh, there's a therapist by the name of Nedra Tawat. She's amazing. She posts amazing posts on anything pretty much. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me, resources wise. Cool. Well, thank you. So where can everyone shower you with love? What's the best place? So I'm on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at fixingthefixer. Well, that's my website. Follow me on Instagram at fixingthefixer. So that is F-I-X-I-N-G-T-H-E-F-I-X-E-R. And it's also Fixing the Fixer on Facebook. My website is www.fixingthefixer.com. So yeah, Fixing the Fixer. (laughs) Cool. I love that. And she has great content. Like I always be low-key reading her stuff in man, you'd be sharing some good stuff. I'd be like, I need to listen to this or watch this or I didn't think about this. Um, She's very encouraging um, and a lot of wisdom. So please follow her and I will put that information in the show notes too. And thank you so, so, so much, Gorgeous, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Bianca, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. Wasn't that such great wisdom, great story that Gorgeous shared? Please share your takeaways, what resonated with you, and perhaps how this relates to authenticity for you. Please tag myself and tag Gorgeous. Of course, she's at Fixing the Fixer and I'm at Authentic Wednesday Podcast. And we'd love for you to tag us on social media, take a picture of the podcast and just share it. Thank you. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe rate and review the podcast you can stay connected by following our instagram authentic wednesday podcast and visiting our website authenticwednesday.com remember authenticity is a journey not a destination